Hey friends, it's another Locked On Twins. The Twins fought gamely, but didn't have enough to beat the Astros. We're going to do an autopsy of the series with a surprise drop-in guest. That's Mr. Tom Schreier. We will get back to him in just a second. But first, this is Locked On Twins. You are Locked On Twins. Your daily Minnesota Twins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What up, what up? We're back here for another Locked On Twins. I'm your host, Brandon Warren. You can find me on Twitter at Brandon underscore W-A-R-N-E. Though, as I'm sure our guest will attest, do not find me on Twitter. But our guest is Tom Schreier at tschreier 3 If you can't see it on the screen, that's T-S-C-H-R-E-I-E-R-3. Before we get to him, though, thank you for making Locked On Twins your first listen every day. We're going to have a ton, a ton of off-season content, season retrospective, maybe some, uh, what do they call those, the uh, mock off-seasons where you do your little thing and all that. So we'll have all kinds of fun content like that. I'm going to talk to a few players. I know we talked to Matt Cantorino about maybe coming on and a few other guys. We'll see who we can uh, get to agree to that. But please feel free to be active in the comment section, whether it's a live show, a recorded show that goes up on YouTube or whatever. Love to hear from you. And to five-star review, like, subscribe, wherever you are at. And if you want questions answered, we're doing a third segment where we'll talk first and foremost about the Alana Rizzo and Jake Mintz situation. But we will also answer your questions and hear how fans are feeling in the voice of the fan. Now, before we get to that, though, we do have to talk about the ALDS, Tom Schreier. And I um, I did, I gave it a day to kind of mm-hmm. simmer, but I also had a sick baby yesterday. So it's going to be pretty hard to record a show with an 11-month-old oh, snotty baby. So um, we gave it some time. Uh, a friend actually said, hey, I just saw Tom Schreier at the game. And I said, uh, condolences, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) can we, can we reveal who this was? I'm trying to think who I saw at the game. You may not have seen this guy. I'll give you a hint. He's, uh, he, I can't give you a hint. He's from Thief River Falls. How about that? Um, yeah, you probably won't help you. Uh, the twins and Astros. So you were at game four. Were you at game three as well? Yeah, I was at both. Yeah. And then how about the the Blue Jays series? Um, so I was at all the yeah, I was at both Blue Jays games. The only thing I missed was Houston and, and it was I forget what I was telling this to like, hey, very expensive to fly to Houston just at a yeah. like moment's notice. But also I had, let me think, so my mom's birthday, my friend's kid's birthday, and then my friend's wedding. And so I was like, yeah, if I leave for Houston and just miss all that stuff, like that go I'll lose like at minimum three relationships, but there's probably more. So, uh, so yeah, miss that. Actually, I think I, I said that on the show before, uh, watched, I'm trying to think if it was game one, like on a, on my iPhone with like five dudes surrounding me. Um, so, uh, not an ideal <laughs> way to watch, watch baseball, but, um, but yes, I was at all the home games. I'll be honest, really excited. Came away encouraged. I was sitting next to Lou, Lou Hennessy, who, uh, Mm-hmm. who writes about the twins for us too. And uh, he, t- he took it a little hard. You know, I think it's just tough when, when you follow a team like this and there's so much promise. And even in the locker room guys are saying, I think this is world series caliber. I think that, you know, we have all yeah. the components. 
And, you know, we saw, I mean, probably disappointing, obviously, the runs they scored, the lack of runs, especially in games three and four. Um, but, yeah, came away encouraged with Pablo Lopez and kind of the young core they have and and, and the, the veteran stars. So, yeah. Well, and I, I pulled some good data. You're right, though. Um, no disrespect to H-Town Wheelhouse or my friend Bobby Vasquez, who drives the train at Minute Maid Park. But Houston is not worth sacrificing relationships so no <laughs> but yeah so um at the outset of the series i made i made the proclamation on this show that i thought the teams were actually pretty well matched up mm-hmm. um wins offense against the astros offense clear win for the astros coming into the series after the series obviously um but you come in with you kind of give the nod and the edge at starting pitcher to the twins and then the bullpens, I think, both had their pluses and minuses. Twins maybe a little less proven. You know, Louis Varland, um, yeah. Chris Paddock, you know, guys that just haven't really done that role. Yeah. Whereas um, the Astros had experience in the back end. You and I obviously both very familiar with Ryan Presley. But yeah. uh, Brian, Brian Abreu had a crazy year. Um, Hector Neris of the Twins got to early, uh, game one, I think, was the, the three-run homer and then the homer by – uh, Royce, Polanco and Royce going back to back, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, but again, experience, whereas the Twins, a little more fireballers, but uh, less predictable. What Would you agree with that assessment? And then kind of like, what was your early vibe? I, I felt like the Twins were going to be up against it just because of experience. But um, I also was encouraged by the fact that they showed up against Toronto, which I think a lot of people were concerned they wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, I think... It's easy to look now, and I think people go like, don't take it for granted, but like, it feels less significant that they beat Toronto because they lost to Houston. I know that's kind of weird, but it's like Houston's mm-hmm. a different caliber team. You got that close, you kind of want more. I mean, this is the the truth is the Twins will set a standard for themselves. The standard is no longer you know win a playoff series, win a playoff game. It's going to be can't get stuck behind the Astros or, or who ends up whoever ends up being the best teams in the AL while the twins are so relevant. But yeah, I mean, I think I, Lopez stands out obviously because people didn't love the trade because it was loose to rise who was hitting 400 and middle he turned on ESPN and like, they just had a ticker running, you know, could Luis rise continuing this the whole, the whole season. It is funny that he dropped and dropped his relative here to 350 around the time Lopez started to drop his ERA be below four. Um, I think any of us following the team closely knew if you looked at FIP, WHIP, all this stuff, like yeah. he'd been good most of the season, but this is a next level good um, that he was. In yeah. Houston. Like top, top 10 in Fangraphs war. I think he and Sonny might've actually both been or yeah. in that vicinity. And Sonny just feels different. Obviously, veteran, you kind of expect something different from him. He also just doesn't have the endurance, you know, that a younger player does. I think around 80 pitches, you know, you start to see him tail off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Ed Julian, I just really, really impressed all year. Like his at-bats, the fact that he came up and kind of seamlessly fit in with the team, obviously allowed them to move on from a rise, but like kind of forced his way in the lineup. I think has improved a little bit defensively. I mean, I think there's so, still, especially balls and dirt and stuff, there's still some concern there, but um, – I thought he was fantastic. It goes without saying Royce Lewis, like it still doesn't register in my mind that he actually had two home runs in the the Toronto game because like that just doesn't seem, that just seems insane in my mind, given the lack of scoring and given how young he is, but for a guy, two ACL injuries, I think going back to when he was drafted and people remember he's picked over, you know, Hunter green, who people wanted because he could play both ways. He was on the sports illustrated cover. Like they were, they kept mm-hmm. saying the twins did kept saying like, well, Royce Lewis has this it factor. He's a leader. He is delivered in that. Like he does have the it factor. He's super clutch. He also was a, you know, has been a leader throughout this as a younger player. 
I think, you know, Correa, like, there is something about like a guy who who battled a terrible foot injury all year, played well defensively all year, but delivered defensively. His average was incredible. There's even like I'm trying to think that liner he had that the shortstop caught. I can't remember if that was the last at bat he had. I know he was on deck when the the, the one where he the one where he smacked the helmet and broke it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that came off at like a hundred something miles per hour. Lewis when Bregman Bregman made a hell of a play where he dove. I think that was like 105 out the bat. Lou had like something up like baseball savant or something that had all this stuff. But like there were times as much as this team needs to be so much better that I'm saying the twins when guys aren't based in scoring position, there were times like the Astros made plays, you know what I mean? Or they just mm-hmm. got unlucky. So um, obviously with Correa been impressed, I, listen, I'm impressed. Buxton took a net bad. I know it was a, pop out or whatever it no, is for real though. but like for a guy who there's no way he wanted to be left off the playoff roster there's no way the twins want to do that like just where he's at medically um i hope to see him in center i hope to see the full byron bucks that we saw right after he signed that contract but like for him to get back i thought that was a cool moment um i'm probably missing something but there is this good mix now of like yeah. young the lewis the the julian's um, the guy's kind of in the middle, uh, Jeffers bad playoff series, but I think Jeffers has been good. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously Pablo Lopez, uh, I think Kirloff, if he stays healthy, takes good at bats, uh, you know, there's some qualms about his defense and like the error was not great, but I think that guy's at bats make him, you know, a, a really good player. I think a healthy Correa still has it. I, I'm not giving up on like whatever the 28 year old Carlos Correa. Um, I, and part of me thought like, you're never going to have perfect health, but like to go through the Buxton thing, the Correa thing, Lewis battling things, uh, Kirillov battling things. Like a lot of these guys were really impacted by, uh, by injury. I think the exception would be, I think they only used two catchers since for the first time since like 1994, uh, someone else <laughs> stated that stat, but that seems insane. And the pitching staff stayed relatively healthy, right? Duran, yeah. um, Jacks fluctuated, but healthy. Um, and you mentioned, like, I do think some of these young guys really stepped up. Louis Varlin wants to be a starter. At the very least, we know he's effective in the bullpen. Very. I think he gets it close to 100, right? And, like, the the 93-mile-per-hour cutter, I was talking to a couple scouts who kind of sit in the press box and, like, just gathering basic information. They said, look, the cutter's as important as him throwing that hard because, mm-hmm. like, it kind of keeps it off the middle of the bat. So I think um, – I think Varlin really impressed. Obviously, Michael A. Taylor bailed Varlin out and also was like one of the best pickups. The thing that like the Taylors and the Slanos and some of these guys that seem like low wattage moves, uh, Brock Stewart, like for him to come back and the way he was throwing. And I think there's something about Paddock too. Uh, Paddock's not of the magnitude of um, player that Royce Lewis is, but like you think of all these Tommy John surgeries and like what do they have in him and why did they risk taking this trade, you know, making this trade? That right. trade has been a saga. You know what I mean? Pagan <laughs> looked good uh, really towards good. the end. Paddock looks like he could start, um, which is huge given you may lose Gray or Gray may like price himself out, right? I mean, you got to be a little careful with a guy who really has stuff, really works no. hard. I think he's yep. a really interesting guy, but like he's getting older. I don't know if you're giving him a three-year contract. I don't know how that, you know, how the market will work. But, I uh, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So like you need the Paddocks there. I think they would love to get, something out of Varlin as a starter. I don't know. That's an unknown. Admittedly, that's an unknown, but I know he could be an effective reliever. Um, even like to see a guy like Jack's bounce back. I mean, truthfully, they got fortunate in a lot of ways. Like the fact that Brock Stewart, I was asking him, I'm like, is it how much? And he's like, oh, they have team control until like 
for like three years. You know what I mean? Because yep. of like how weird his career has been. Yep. You know, Theobar probably isn't the most beloved guy by fans right now, but like I think Theobar is an important lefty. Um, and that guy's 36. He's still a good pitcher, yeah. And he's out of and he was not out of major league baseball, but like you, you know what I mean? He was he was out of major league baseball from like mm-hmm. 15 to 2020, you know. That he was and, coaching. He was coaching. Yeah, yeah he's gonna go coach at like Augustana and stuff like that. So like I just think the best thing that happened, I remember being on a podcast with you, I think trade deadline. Right. And like, we were talking about like, would they clear out the front office is Rocco in trouble because of how the first half they were a little above 500, I think. And then they finished strong. Um, Mm -hmm. I, you know, I said at the time, the reason why I don't want them to be cleared out aside from these are all good people. It's very funny that, uh, Belvi and Rocco are Boston guys. This may be karma coming back, right? You think of how much Boston stole or not stole players. The Ortiz thing, yeah. KG, Ortiz, obviously, was a mistake there. KG, they made a mistake. Are we back? Yep. Lost your first. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Um, you know, they think of they used you know Boston used KG and Ortiz and and Moss and all that success. Maybe it's only right that two guys from the Boston area. I know um, Rocco's Rhode Island, but like uh, mm-hmm. come back and kind of you know help the Twins out here. But I think there is not only like a strong core here, diversity in age, meaning like you know obviously veteran players, kind of guys right in the beginning of their prime, and then the the Lewis Julian types. Um, but there's guys in the system. And I think the, the number one thing they're going to have to do is you can't give up too much right now to get over the edge. Mm-hmm. I actually think at this point it's time to spend, right? I mean, like yep. if you yep. go get a pitcher, go go get a, a big right-handed bat, right? Yep. Um, but I think um, there's sustainability. They're aided by the central not being very good. You got to win more than 87 games. When I look at it, it's very weird to take like season series from like Houston and, and New York, like the Yankees, and then like lose it to Detroit. But like, you know, they got to take care of business. You can't have these slip ups, you know, in Kansas City and stuff. But like, in general, they've built this really strong core. And I think it manifested. And I think the number one thing now is get playoff experience. So these guys aren't antsy when there's guys on base, you know, obviously make sure that all the relievers and starters are ready to go in high pressure situations. I think it was really encouraging, for example, to hear Joe Ryan go. Yeah. I feel like the, re- the regular season isn't going to feel as special anymore. It's like, it won't <laughs> because, because you pitched in the play, albeit briefly, but you've pitched in the playoffs. And I yep. think, you know, get guys in that mindset. I think Cray had a good message where it was like, you got to hate this. You got to hate the fact that you got this close and it came up empty. Right. Um, but then get the spare parts. Right. And that's when you start spending the money is, is mm-hmm. go get the pitcher, go get the right handed bat um, because you want sustainability here. You know, you look at these, t- like the fact that Houston seven straight ALCS, I believe like that's why they're successful. It's, it's that they're always there. The Yankees used to be like that. I think they will be again. Um, you know, and Probably. I think, yeah, some of those, the best teams are just there. They give themselves a chance over and over again. The players get used to being playing the playoffs and when i talked to most of those guys they said it it helps having veterans and stuff most of them are like you just have to stick to your routine you got to pretend like this game is game 87 or game you know 96 Mm -hmm. or whatever against you know cincinnati or so you know it's it's got you got to treat it like any other game and i think they're going to be more and more able to do that the more they're there yeah no no question about that we do have to talk about our friends at sleeper and then we'll come back and talk about the pitching plan in game four uh, a couple of replacement things. And then I have some really good numbers on the statistics of the series, including twins hitters outside of Carlos Correa and outside of Royce Lewis. And the same for Astros hitters outside of your Don and your Don Abreu. But first, 
we do have to talk to our talk about talk about our friends at Sleeper. Easy for me to say. The MLB playoffs are here, Tom Schreier, which means the clock is ticking on your chance to make a hundred times your cash on daily fantasy baseball. Baseball has never been more exciting than it is now, uh, especially at this time of year. I mean, what more could you ask for? Really fun, young teams, exciting teams like the Diamondbacks in the NLCS. Um, the Phillies are about as fun as could happen. And who doesn't want to see Jake Cave win a World Series, right? <laughs> um, and then on the other side, too, obviously, you know, we saw up front, up close and personal, how the Astros are still the Astros. And Texas could be interesting. Haven't gotten anything out of Jacob DeGrom this year, but who knows? You can, though, bet on these games. What What is happening in these games? You pick more or less on stats for these guys, like homers, hits, strikeouts, all kinds of things, more than you can imagine. And you can get up to 100 times payout on Sleeper. You get your picks right, and you can win big. It takes less than a minute to do your picks. There's a group team chat in there where you can kind of razz other people that you're going up against. And, you know, you you can pick a guy like Corbin Carroll, who's been, you know, a, a big thing for the uh, the Diamondbacks all season long, big part of where they're going. But, again, use the promo code locked on on the app, and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. But if you see Sleeper's Terms of Use for details, You'll get that all taken care of. Again, use the promo code locked on and you'll get up to a hundred dollar match on your first deposit. It's sleeper.com slash promo slash locked on. Up to a hundred dollar match on your first deposit. All right, Mr. Schreier, we're back here and we are going to talk about the game for pitching setup. Joe Ryan goes. A uh, couple innings, then they kind of mix and match the rest of the way. I want to know what you thought about it when you kind of figured out what was happening. Yeah. And then how you felt about it after the fact. Because for me, first of all, I, and I even said on the show, I suspected that Joe Ryan would go at most, at very most, four innings. I expected three innings, and we end up getting a little less than that. Um, but in general, it's a do or die, go home, stay home situation. I I endorse it. And they held a very good Astros team off the board for most of the game. I thought yeah. it was good. And I was happy with how it worked out. What say you? Yeah. So I'm trying to remember. It was Brant, It's funny. It was Brantley, right? The bomb and the two run yep. bomb, um, Abreu. So two former AL it. Central yeah, uh, foes, which was interesting. Um I, you know, one thing I thought of was Joe Ryan. So Joe Ryan had a weird situation where he would have pitched game three against Toronto. Right. So then he's kind of, he's like skipping his regular rest. And then I think he was bullpen available in Houston. So I think you said that after the fact. Yep. Yeah. And so like, part of me thinks it's a little hard for a guy who is a starter, who's used to, you know, one of the reasons why, uh, they set it up with with Sonny Lopez aside from them being the two best pitchers is that they were on regular rest, I believe, in those games or something close to it. So, like, yeah. I think it's hard for a guy like that who's been a starter the whole time. He's not kind of a controversial tweener. Like, we know he will start next year, for example, to prepare for both for the bullpen and a full-fledged start in an elimination game. And so I think right. they treated him like a starter. Uh, or sorry, like a bullpen arm and like an opener almost. And I think 
there were right. some stats that he Joe Ryan's such a funny pitcher. Like it, it, like he seems actually like is better, dude. right? I, I've never met him because I haven't covered since he's come up, but he seems like a interesting, funny dude. Interesting, interesting guy. By the way, like should be really clear, a really, really smart pitcher. Like if you really want to get what? into where would you put him on the Aaron Thompson curve for? Yeah, 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 yeah. Aaron Thompson. For people who don't remember, Aaron Thompson would have been like 2015, what, I think. Yeah, yeah. Back the, the J.R. Graham this year, I think. Yes, yes, yes. My actual like college friend, J.R. Graham, who somehow pitched for the Twins uh, as right. a Rule Five pick. Um, but uh, but yes, uh, yes, but so Thompson was the lefty who uh, Malder leaned on in 2015. It's it's a really big pull, but um, also one of yep. my favorite dudes. He's not Aaron Thompson's different kind of guy i think like uh um aaron thompson like actually is almost more it's it's a weird comp but like pablo lopez like pablo lopez like was gonna be a doctor i think this is kind of out now but like you know like he was 16 he qualified in red school i've talked to lopez a lot about how like he actually learns better in classrooms like weirdly he'd actually be better off as a football player think of like how like they all sit in a room with a powerpoint and you know the defense goes through like baseball is so individual you talk to the catcher you talk to the pitching coach or whatever uh aaron thompson came off to me more as kind of cerebral like a like a lopez like joe ryan is is a surfer dude like i went to school up in northern california he's marine county so across the golden gate bridge from san francisco um Mm -hmm. he is very much a california dude um uh but like if you want to ask why he uses a splitter in certain situations i believe he said he throws them two different speeds 88 and 82 which is kind of interesting Mm um how he views fastball usage and how he could throw two that are 91 miles per hour, but because one is low in the zone and one's up in the zone, the one up in the zone actually is perceived as faster to the, yeah, um, the carry the hitter. That. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, some of this stuff is like, if you really know baseball is, is pretty intuitive, but like he is, everything he does is very intentional. And I think statistically it was right to use him in the first inning. I think it's also right in terms of he was being used in the bullpen and odd, odd rest. I know, so I sit next to Lou and then Theo Tollefson, who also, he works for a, a TV station down in Rochester, and he also writes for his own coverage. And uh, Theo was very against, he wanted them to go to Paddock and keep Theo Bar in the bullpen because he's the lefty option. I get what they're doing. That It was like two lefties, a Brayu, and then another lefty. And these are obviously some of their yeah. better hitters. Yeah. At it. Maybe you know the order off the top of your head, but like, I get they're trying to match up. I think it's Brantley, Abreu, Tucker. So Alvarez, Brantley, Abreu, Tucker, something like that. Something like that. So I get what they were trying to do, like stall the threat. The righty gets steel bar, right? And I understand like, you know, that's not, you know, if you're at the game, that's a bummer. I, I get the immediate reaction. Everyone in the locker room assured the bar, like, hey, we probably got to score more than two runs to beat the Houston Astros. Yeah. So like, yeah. you know, I think the strategy made sense. It didn't work perfectly, but it made sense. Also, like, I don't think Abreu has been the same player he was in Chicago. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, he should be less of a threat. He was really good in the playoffs. He also probably knows the Obar a little bit, right? So like, listen, I think that is what it is. I You could make the argument to go to Paddock. I really loved what Paddock did here. We talked about, I mean, I think he was hitting like 97. He just looked sharp. He looked like a starter. That's how you use a guy like that, where you kind of get some length out of him. Um, I'm trying to think. They went, did they, did they go Jack Duran? I'm trying to think of how that finished because it would have been two innings Stewart, from Duran. Yeah, Stewart. Stuart, yeah, Stuart Jack Strand, kind of like something up. like that, yeah, yeah. And so I, I think mean, they, like, they they hit all their marks with the exception of uh, Barlin. Yeah, I and think. I think it makes sense to go. Listen, you're going for broke. Like, I understand you'd want Duran again, but like, yeah. um, you have. I'm trying to think. You have the travel day. 
Duran's been good. Mm-hmm. I think Duran wore out a little bit with too many two winning um, outings in the middle of the season. But yeah. I think mostly his issue is that he was having an issue with the curveball. And I think Duran wisely late in the season just started throwing curveballs to guys going, Hey, it's here. You know what I mean? You got it. You got to yeah. honor it. Mm-hmm. Um, the splinker obviously remains one of my favorite pitches, both the name and, and the functionality of it. Um, it splitter sp- sinker. Yeah. So like, um, I, uh, I, you know, and he, uh, Duran looks like he kind of got right at the end there, which was great. Um, Again, I'm a huge Brock Stewart guy. I just think that's an awesome yep. story. Yep. It's like Theo Bar, like a guy who's kind of just grinded it out, trying to make a career for himself. Really, really smart pickup. Um, and it was nice that he finally got back. He said part of it, so he has tendonitis in his elbow, and like he had to like floss it. Meaning, again, if you see the video, like he's kind of like going back and forth, up and down, kind of like what you see um, a pitcher do in warmups where they're they're moving uh, their elbow in different ways. And he's he's like it literally is kind of flossing the the tendon, I guess in like the the bone or something like that move it around yeah and i don't uh, totally understand how it works better to be there uh it's not yeah you don't want to you don't want to floss with your tendons that's uh that's medical advice for me there but that's as far as i'll go as uh dr tom here but um i think (laughs) i think um i think the uh to see him come back and and just you know be brock stewart again i think it was really good and yeah i think it's very funny that you know when we were talking at the deadline it's like can they hit lefties well somehow they figured that one out. Now I get part of that was Craya wasn't hitting and Buxton was hurt. Right. But like, mm-hmm. um, the other thing was like, how will the bullpen look now you get more reinforcements. I really see Paddock as a starter who was in the bullpen. I see yep. Maeda obviously as a starter who was in the bullpen. Um, Louis Varlin is that tweener, but like by definition, he did make starts. And I think what yep. he also doesn't have trouble going, um, inning to inning, meaning like he doesn't cool off. It's the Duran effect. The most right. surprising thing actually in it, that game of saw out of hand, it doesn't matter, but that Ober and maybe it just Ober faced better hitters in the second inning pitch. But like, I thought Ober was just going to walk out of that game. And like, he actually weirdly had the inning effect. And I've been mm-hmm. a Bailey Ober fan all year. I think a great development right. story. And like, I think he'll be fine pitching next year, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's so funny that like we talk so much about it's a marathon, right? With baseball and like, you got to be patient every day. And there's just games where there's weird outcomes and stuff. Um, And you go from that to this, where you're literally like doing everything you're not supposed to do. Like just throw, throw Ryan out there for like, not even a full inning, Um, throw a field bar out there early. You know what I mean? And like, and like you trust him paddock is, was as good as he was early in the season. And you didn't even like see him, you know, but like, um, I actually think that approach was right. I think the, uh, Really, my qualm with this team uh, was hitting with runners in scoring position because even the game that was nine, so game three that was nine one, like there were opportunities to tie that, and I think the tenor right. of the game changes. Yep. Um, and so, like again, maybe they just lose nine five, but it's just like to me that I don't actually don't think that's how it goes. I think it's more you turn into a fifty fifty game. For mm-hmm. reference, ESPN gave the Astros an eighty percent chance to win after the first inning. That's the four run first inning, like you are literally changing the momentum dr- dramatically at any point. If you can, mm-hmm. if you can score those runs. So for me, yeah. I think that's the biggest thing is like, um, I can't complain about Royce Lewis too much, but it's like, Hey, you're Royce Lewis. You got to deliver here. You're Julian. You got to deliver here. Like it's young guys. It's obviously Correa. It's it's if Buxton comes back healthy, like it's guys like him. And, and I think um, Jeffers, you know, stuff like that. Like I just, I was a little surprised, frankly, because I really thought Jeffers came on late in the season, but um that's my major qualm with the team is like, and that was all season, all season. You'd have guys on the corner and you're like, how is it, how is it harder to hit in this situation? Um, it's something to get. Really? 
Yeah. So let's take a quick second. We're going to talk about our friends at FanDuel. When we come back, we will quick go over some data from the series, and then I'm going to ask you quickly about the latest controversy on the national media scene. But first, our friends at FanDuel. October baseball is back, and you can make your postseason debut with FanDuel. That's FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Join FanDuel today, and you'll get started with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Doesn't matter if you win, lose, whatever. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and create your new account. Then you can get in on the action from the first pitch until the final out. Bet on everything from strikeouts home runs to who's going to win the game and everything in between. And if you don't want to wait the whole game to get the W, you can predict what will happen with a quick bet, which is just what's going to be the next at bat. Uh, head on over to FanDuel.com slash locked on right now. Step up to the plate this postseason with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. That's right. You place your first $5 bet and that 200 is guaranteed whether you win or lose. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. All right, so we're coming down the home stretch here. I got some data for you, Tom Schreier. Twins in the series had a 681 OPS, a 198 batting average. Obviously not going to be good enough, right? Mm-hmm. Astros, yeah. 888, 818 OPS, twice as many home runs, 10 to 5. Yep. Way fewer strikeouts, 37 to 52, but they hit 261. Pitching-wise, Astros starters had an ERA of 3.0. Astros relievers had an ERA of 3.60, Twins starters 4.5 and 5.21 from their relievers. So when you look at those numbers, you and you understand that they lost that last game pretty close. There's a path where they could have won this series by stealing it, statistically speaking. Now, yeah. I, I, I do want to get into depth one more thing. Twins, obviously, we know Carlos Correa had the biggest numbers, and then Royce Lewis right there as well. Actually, I mean, either way, you could say, I guess, both. Um, When you look at this offense without Carlos Correa in the postseason, this is the entire postseason, it's a 173 batting average and a 629 OPS. If you subtract Royce Lewis, it's a 164 average and a 552 OPS. So, again, we're not just arbitrarily subtracting guys and saying that's that but it goes to show the effect that individual players can have in a series. Now, on the Astros side, without Jordan Alvarez, their OPS drops over 200 points. Okay. 6-11. 6-11. Now, if you look at their offense without him and Abreu, oh, I must have pulled this wrong because uh, I have 6-11 for both. If you drop... Jordan, oh, sorry, if you drop Jordan Alvarez, make sure I got this right. If you drop Jordan, it's a 692 OPS. Jeez. And if you drop Jose Abreu, it's a 611. So if you drop those two guys, you lose about 100 points of OPS each way. But again, that goes to show, though, uh, how much you don't want to let big guys beat you. We also don't necessarily have a choice in October. You're not just going to load the bases just so you don't face these guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially with Kyle Tucker, the RBI leader, hitting behind them. Yeah, no, well, and I was going to say, like, um, as it pertains to the Twins, like, I think it was Kepler struck out to get Lewis. Uh, it, this is when he chased the slider in game three. Like, 
I was like, dude, the Kepler's just setting, you know, Lewis up or whatever. I here's the thing. I think what we're finding here is what we already know. Big time players like drive winning in the postseason. Yep. yep. Korea is that guy. I know he was frustrated with himself, but like again, like throughout most of the series, that guy was fantastic. Royce Lewis. Uh, Julian is is becoming that guy. I believe a healthy Bucks gonna be that guy. Like I think there's these big time players step up. Alvarez like just is a machine. It's so funny that like I I only know this because it's said on the scoreboard. The Dodgers traded him for like some reliever before even yeah before he even played in the in the system. Like that guy just seemed like a cheat code. Um, you you know each team is gonna need each team is going to have guys who slump each team is going to need their stars to step up. I think, again, I think you're right. Like game three, game three, not only was the turning point for obvious reasons. It's like, if you steal a game with Lopez and Houston, you hope that Sonny wins the, the game, right. Or they win the game with Sonny pitching um, in game three, but it's also that game skewed this task, right. You know what I mean? Like, like obviously they didn't score a lot and they got scored on a lot. So, you know, I think like, that obviously the, that was the pivot point. Um, it also would have been even if they lost, meaning like if you win that, but like you know, Houston comes back, or, you know, it's, it's not gonna feel great, but it's like it does feel it's a different vibe losing in your stadium. Um, then you know, if you go out to Houston, I think expectations obviously are gonna be different. Um, but it, it just that's what I'm getting at is there is a difference between those two teams. I also look at kind of season series and it's like, it is concerning that for example, like the Rays were five and one, I understand like those games happen at different times and stuff like that. But like every time I kind of watch that and I know one of those series, I think the one in Tampa was at a low point for the twins, but I was like, man, the Rays look like they kind of overmatched them. Um, certainly it was concerning like Baltimore and I know Baltimore and the Rays both were disappointed in the playoffs, but like Baltimore, the, the Sheldon, right. Right. Going into the, the all-star break. Like there are, I'm trying to look at this holistically, not just comparing them to the Astros, although that's going to be the comparison going forward, but also kind of the best teams in the AL. Like the Twins can compete with them, but they are not like certainly, you know what I mean? Like without a doubt, neck and neck with those guys. And so um, I think the stats tell the story correctly. I think the Twins have the star power. They have the pitching. They finally have pitching and a shortstop. I was kind of writing about that, that I don't even know if it's a curse so much as Guzman left. They didn't Mm -hmm. replace him did not win a series since and really didn't have great pitching um, a lot of the time anyway. So um, now that you have the pitching, you have the shortstop, you have stars around those guys. I think it's just filling out a roster. And I think that like the twins should feel good about what they've done in terms of kind of what they've built, not just because it's like a flash in the pan, you can win next year. It's you could win for the next five, assuming again, don't lose the bad teams. That's always the case. Right. Build to beat the Astros because if you can beat the Astros, you could probably beat Baltimore or Tampa and these in these other teams. Um and like, you know, throttle down as in don't burn your um farm system, but like spend money now because you're I think there was forty one thousand people at game three. I think that's right. You can get to that number in regular season games that matter, as in like the opponent's pretty good mm-hmm. because that fan base is waiting, right? That it's it's a latent fan base w- wanting to embrace the twins. And for the first time since basically 04, I know there have been highlights since Bomba Squad, all that stuff, but like um uh you know, certainly some of the the 2010 like Mariers, but like this is the first time you actually have proof of concept that you won in the postseason, you've hung with the Astros, throttle down now, you know, show that you're all in and, and ready to kind of be in that class, the the best of the AL. 
So before we go, I do want to ask you about a very hot button topic. You are probably more plugged into this side of uh, sports content than I am mm-hmm. or than most people I know. But um, so Jake Mintz of Fox Sports, also former or might, you know, Cespedes Family Barbecue is yeah. where he and Jordan Schusterman podcasted and all that fun stuff. Um, he reported and it was corroborated by Chelsea Janes, who used to be a Nationals beat writer and then went to politics. And I'm not sure if she's back on that beat or not. Uh, they both heard Orlando Arcia in the clubhouse. They had a boy Harper after Harper was doubled off in the um, second game of the series. Yeah, I'm not mistaken. Right, yeah. And anyway, um, they re- he reported it and it turned into a huge backlash of what's off the record and on the record. Now, I, I want to tell a personal story quickly. I had a time where I heard something I wasn't supposed to hear between an executive and a player. I won't name either of them, but I've probably told you this story. Mm-hmm. And it was actually a very benign comment. It was just encouragement, but it was said during a situation where it was very important. Anyway, um, I tweeted it. I got a message saying, hey, could you take that down? So my understanding about clubhouse communication is because everyone's like, well, if they could hear it, it's okay to report. And I think it's a little more gray than that. I don't think it's a lot more gray than that, but I think if it's said out loud where the entire room can hear it, if it's said directly to you while you're holding your recorder, that's fair game. But when you hear something another person says to another person in a conversation you aren't part of, that's where that gray area grows increasingly darker because it's really no different than doing it out in public. And again, I don't know the rules, if there are hard and fast rules as far as like a, a um, expected level of privacy you're you're granted in public yeah. conversationally. Like I don't know if there's an expected standard of that, but I think actually the way my situation was handled made sense to me, but... It doesn't apply here where Arcia said it way out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think that uh, I think it was a Chelsea Janes addressed it as though, what if the TV cameras would have heard it? You couldn't take it back. Where this comes full circle is Alana Rizzo going on high heat with Christopher Russo, calling him a derog, calling Jake Mintz a derogatory term. Yeah. Like, like on MLB term. network. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. On MLB network for forgetting for a moment that Jake is a member of the BBWAA. Card carrying deserves to is permitted in any clubhouse across yeah. MLB. Um, and then denigrated him as a blogger and whatnot, a podcaster, whatever. Um, what's your takeaway from this? Because it's not entirely wrong that some things that are said in the clubhouse don't get reported. Uh, but I want to be very careful not to, to say that as though it's um you know, protecting the boys or whatever, you know, you're not protecting yeah. them or, or doing it to protect them harassing someone. It's not, it's not like that. It's not some sort of power dynamic. It's more about the rules of private conversation, public conversation on the record, off the record. Arcia had no right to claim he was off the record in this case, but I think that, that the people who got on my case were right because I took what was a personal conversation and reported it. Your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I think everything requires discretion. Anything you do as a reporter, I think that's probably almost universally true. Um, 
I've obviously it's a, talked- it's a fine balance from PR to uh grandstander or like a, a yeah I mean I, campaign. I think I think like to try to sum up a lot of thoughts succinctly like I I was talking I was out at the Vikings facility doing reporting talking to other reporters obviously this was in the news there is someone I know who knows um the Fox reporter who obviously gets blown up on MLB network like I I even had a separate conversation with someone where I was like, you know, people go about their business different. I always think relationship first, meaning say if you tell someone this is off the record, it's off the record. I don't use anything. I don't quote anything that I uh, don't record. I don't, there is information that I have in stories that I address with my own knowledge that I don't attribute because I've heard it from multiple people and I know it's true. And you know, more and more I have done, taking you know just talking to a guy taking notes and they can brock stewart this is innocuous thing brock stewart i know the flossing thing i didn't i don't like i don't have a quote on that i just was talking to him and wrote it in a notebook you know what i mean like that's how i know that information there's other things i'm careful with a guy will tell me something and i'll go hey like just to be clear are you that's on the record there are times like that goes back to a relationship thing. You have to trust mm-hmm. that the player knows, Hey, if I say something in a recorder, it's quoted. If I say something with an earshot, it's kind of fair game. If I tell you a piece of information and I see it in a story again, not attributed, but like they have to trust. I've sourced that from multiple people and it won't be traced back to them specifically. Right. Yeah. And I think more than anything, I'm trying to create understanding. Obviously we write opinion-based things. Sometimes it's for editing, right? I'll, like, one of our guys writes something about Joe Ryan. Sometimes I will just go ask him like, Hey, baseball savant says you're throwing these four pitches. He might go, yeah, but they're identifying this pitch. And it's actually this yep. pitch. And literally that happens. Belzovic has like that, a, that, ha- that happened with Tyler Duffy back uh, when they kept saying he was throwing a slider and it was just a different shape on his knuckle curve. Yeah. And, and I think like, I know it's happened with Belzovic. I know it's happened with um, Ryan. I'm trying to think there's a handful of these guys who throw a pitch that like, Savant just doesn't pick it up or whatever, but like, mm-hmm. regardless, like I'm just trying to get information through. I'm trying to have an informed opinion. I'm trying to, with the website, you know, create understanding and we are not going to get everything right, but I'm trying to do it as, you know, precisely as possible. There mm-hmm. are people who are in there who, you know, look, I read the room. If, if, uh, if I'm like, Hey, that guy's kind of wandering away from their locker. Like I can just grab them later. Um, I can, sometimes I just tell a guy's in a bad mood and I'm like, why would I, talk to him now i can wait until you know maybe they're they're in a better place there are times you can go in and you go hey caleb field gives up a bomb in a playoff game like you got to go ask him about that and by yeah. the way he handled it incredibly professionally but uh most of those guys do correa we asked him about him getting booed he goes yeah dude like i know why they're booing me you know what i mean like i think uh um you have to give these guys an opportunity, obviously, to say their part. And some guys really handle it well, right? Take responsibility. In terms of stuff that's just said in the locker room, there are things that I've heard that I, hasn't been reported. It's not a, it's not anything more than I'm just like, that doesn't seem right. It's a journalistic instinct. It's a human instinct. You know what I mean? I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's just not... I was clearly not part of that conversation. If a guy's shouting something out loud... By the way, that is sports. That's baseball. Like, I... Mm-hmm. Uh, it created a moment that's actually like captivated people who are casual fans, meaning Bryce Harper, superstar hits two bombs and staring down a guy. Right. And I think by the way, aside from obvious taunting, I think it's fair for players to go back and I struck you out there and he comes back and hits a bomb off. him. like, that is a narrative. That's a story. That's two guys being competitive. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, certainly uh-huh. don't want to put, I forget who went after Kraya. It was some like random guy. Correa handled it super well. He's like, I hope that dude's family's all right. You know what I mean? And like, 
right. so guys handle this stuff all differently. I think it's an opportunity for for players to be competitive, for players to kind of show their humanity in terms of, hey, maybe this guy came after me. I don't need to get, you know, bicker with them. There is beef between guys. There's also just funny stuff. Like I think of Glenn Perkins and like Josh Donaldson way back in the day. This is A's Josh Donaldson and obviously Perkins pitching for the Twins. Oh, yeah, the foul ball. Yeah, and like kind of the anything he pimped it or whatever. And like, you know, like there's just, there are instances like that happen. I, there's certainly something kind of between Jeffers and um, uh, Garver. And so like, I think that stuff's fair to report as long as you, you've done it ethically. And I certainly someone should not go on TV and, and berate someone for reporting something that was up and open in the locker room and baseball should embrace this because it wasn't something I, so there was a, there was sportsmanship to it, meaning like it wasn't again, offensive. Yeah. 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 He's not put him down and being like, you know, saying something about his mother or saying like, Hey, this guy sucks or whatever. Yeah. It is like, you know, plays like that happen. And I think it's fair for a guy to react. And I think it's fair for Bryce Harper to stare him down. This didn't turn into some sort of like fist fight. And even that, like that happens sometimes in baseball, it didn't turn into a fist fight. It didn't turn into something incredibly disrespectful. It turned into a moment. And I think, um, yeah, there just is this weird thing. And obviously we live in this world. We do podcasts. I read online, like stuff like that. But like, um, there is, it's weird that we're in 2023 when like most newspapers are online and, and people consume it that way. When most newspapers have a podcast, when, um, you know, people consume Chris Russo's content, whether it's, it's through MLB network or, or when he's on first take through the internet, through clips mm -hmm. on YouTube and stuff like that. It just, it doesn't make sense to do that. There are podcasts that are disrespectful of players and are nonsense there's people who write things that are disrespectful and nonsense there are people who you know unfortunately and it's their prerogative go into a locker room and report something that they you know don't have recorded or don't have on the record or whatever but like um in general i'd say like i'm sure this guy just because i know someone who knows him uh goes about his business the right way i don't think he did anything wrong in reporting that and the other thing is look it is you are allowed a small window of time in the locker room it's large enough to do their job but it's not like it's a you're sitting around there forever there are parts of the locker room you can go into players can to avoid uh, being overheard by the media. Also, I am very much of the mindset that there are times where privacy is warranted. It's not right for me for out. It's funny. Like Falvey will have his meeting with, um, and Levine will have their meeting with um, Rock Rafford games with the door open, but like for obvious reasons, I can't just walk in there and be like, Hey, can I, can I get five minutes? You know what I mean? And like, yeah, right. um, I think it's fair as much as Chris shared what he said. And I think Rocco actually said, shared what he said after the game. I think it would be inappropriate for, us to walk in while he's telling the team, Hey, you got to feel this pain and you got to mm -hmm. learn to resent that. Like I get that some people would want to film that. I'll be honest, even during the celebrations, like I didn't think of this because again, I haven't covered a lot of this stuff. Like it was kind of weird being there. Like I didn't take part in it. You know what I mean? I was more talking to guys individually, Polanco. Hey man, like you've been with the organization since, since Oh nine. What is this moment for you? Like uh, for you talk to Theobar a little bit, talk to Varland, uh, talk, you know, just like even uh showman and, and Julian. Cause like showman's like the, the coach that kind of came up with Julian, the hitting coach, um, mm -hmm. talk to Falvey, obviously, like for me, it was more capturing moments, things I can write about in the future. So um, I'm very much of the mindset that there are times where the, the, there are private times, right. For the players and coaches, there are also times when they should be revealing because they should be telling us what's going on. So we can relay that information to people because again, like guessing doesn't really do anyone any good. So, um, so yeah, I mean, here's the thing. If it ha happened with the twins, again, there's probably some people I'd lean on just cause I'm still young ish. And like, I mean, <laughs> is it sort of, um, yeah. uh, but I may lean on some people, 
um, who are older reporters. Um, I mean, because I think it's fair to say, like, I talked to a guy like Patrick Royce or Dan Hayes or something like that, and like, mm-hmm. just go, hey, like, how would I handle this? But in general, I think that stuff's pretty fair. There's other conversations that you may overhear and you'd be like, yeah, that definitely was not supposed to be for me. And like, also what does the public really get from that? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think I get enough stuff again on the record, off the record, um, observing whatever, where I feel like if you read us zone coverage, if you, you know, listen to the show or whatever, like you are getting stuff that I'm trying to be as correct as possible and as forthcoming as possible. And I think there is some, just decency and respect you should have for people yep. and, and a lot of some privacy. Yeah. Well, that, I think that's uh that's a good enough place for us to wrap it up. Tom, you're about to ski down on here. Yeah. Get, uh, get out of this rain or maybe they'll have some rain too, but no, uh, it's supposed to be terrible there. Yeah. Oh, cheapers. Well, yeah. hopefully it's not on the field. Terrible. Yeah. Uh, so again, he's Tom Schreier. Thanks for listening to us on locked on twins. I'm Brandon Warren. Make sure you like subscribe, give us a five star wherever you're listening or watching. And that's that's all we got. That's a wrap. We'll be back here on Monday. We'll have a lot of fun off-season and post-season content. But for now, this has been Locked on Twins.